Welcome back to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, the product design studio in New York City that builds big, beautiful web and technology things. My name is Paul Ford, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Rich Ciotti. Hey, Rich. Yes. Brady Dale tweeted at you. Yes. He writes he, for The Observer. He He's a tech reporter for The Observer. Yeah, That's he wrote right. about us. A great piece, actually. Thank you, Brady. It was Thank not, you. Great, it was really cool. Great and clear and, and talked a little bit about track changes. Yep. So what did Brady want to know? I mean, he put a challenge in front of us. What here. was the challenge? Discuss NDAs. So, all right, yeah. let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. So what is an NDA? A non-disclosure agreement. Correct. It is an agreement whereby you agree, and usually it's mutual. Well, So, so it's a it document. It's a couple pages long. It's a contract. Yeah, they send it to you in email. Yep. And they say, would you mind signing this? Which, by the way, everything is getting signed by DocuSign, or I have an image of my signature that I keep in, in That was a crazy thing when we were starting the company. There were a lot of big contracts going on as we were getting our yeah. company set up, and you were just like hitting the sign button, and off it would go. It felt very impermanent. Yeah. I think we're there now, finally. I think you know that virtual signature is the real deal. So it's happening. And what we, what we get often is people saying, you know, hey, we want to talk to you more. They'll talk to us some. There's always sort of this first conversation where they're like, ah, we're going to tell you a little something. Can you help us? And we're like, yeah, we think we can help you. I'm like, well, I want to tell you more. But before I tell you more, I need you to sign an NDA. And this, this happens all the time. It happens in ridiculous contexts, too. You're just like, ridiculous. You'd be like, oh, hey, we're doing this thing and we're going to have a spork startup. And you're like, okay, cool. You guys, you, that's like the, the forks yeah. that are also spoons. And they're yeah. like, yeah, but before I can tell you more. Yeah. And when you do that, when you decide that the thing you're about to tell me deserves a cloak of secrecy, right? A veil of secrecy over it, the implication is that what you're about to tell me is really great and really valuable such that without that document, Paul and I will run and pursue it. I'll just get into the media. I'll like go on the mountaintop and be like, you would not believe what I just heard. Oh my God. This person is going to custom embroider your Twitter handle onto the that's shirt. Right. That's right. Yeah. So we sign them and, and that's fine. We sign them all the time. We sign them all the sign time. Like an NDA every hour and a half. Yeah. And, and, and that's What's the difference between an NDA and a friend DA. <sighs> that's a terrible phrase. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? It's the worst phrase. Very often we, we will be in a meeting and we'll say, Hey, um, I, I want to keep talking right now because I'm excited about this idea. Yeah. But I don't have the paperwork and I want you to sign it. But verbal NDA? And everyone goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> Everybody sort of looks at each other for like a half a second. Like, of course, of, of course, course, verbal NDA. Let's roll. Let's do this. And then they just keep going. Why can't we just trust each other? Um. Like, First of all, I've never in my life heard of someone invoking an NDA and you know suing for damages at this level like not at a like a corporate level sure but like as a i talked to this guy because he was gonna like write some copy for the website and i made him sign an nda that person never gets sued like it, it's just kind of pure formality and bureaucracy as far as i can tell it is you know what it is too though is that it's no harm to do but what it. risk it, are they trying to to stave off it's just the well first off as it moves along and let's say the thing matures and becomes actually valuable and there's investment money coming in then they say okay show me all the paperwork okay like how buttoned up is this thing right 
And when you show that you've been very careful throughout covering your tracks, you really because this, this thing is going is actually going to be worth a million. And 10 you million, really have you've, you've made every effort to own and control your own intellectual property and not allow it to yeah. sort of like spread out. Exactly. And and the thing is, it's not that big a deal. That's the other part of it. It doesn't take two weeks of lawyers to draft it. It's just a document. Sure. And so you're like, you know what? Why don't I just play it on the safe side and let's sign this. Have you ever asked anyone to sign an NDA? I don't think so. I never have. I've never had an idea that I was like, this is so incredibly I valuable. So. I don't think that was my rationale. I think my rationale was uh, this is not going to matter. Yeah. And this uh, is the thing. I mean, people don't know this about our organization, right? But we have the shortest contracts that I've ever seen. I'm very proud of our contracts, by the way. Yeah. I think I think it says a lot about us. Some are two pages. Entire yeah. engagements. Not small. Things Some, that are going to run for six months and, and cost a lot of money. Business to business. Business to business. Usually these are what? Like 40, 60 page documents. They're usually, sometimes they're multiple documents. What's in the 40 to 60 pages? Like what, what aren't we including? What's in our document? Our, I mean, our document are the terms. Okay. You're going to pay me this over this amount of time. What we're going to do for you. We're going to build your thing. We're going to build your thing. Okay. Usually that you own the thing. That the thing we're about to build is not ours. It's that's not always our really that's really important to people, yep. and it, it's sort of a given. Like we're an agency. Yeah. When we write you the code, it's, it's called a work for hire provision, yeah. and and what that means is what the byproduct, the work product of our our labor is yours. That's very normal for media too. Like you just yeah, it is work for it's hire. A, right? I mean, it's a it's a well, and there's usually like other provisions around cancellation, modification, indemnification. Governing law, should things go south, what laws of, of which state are going are gonna to govern. And that's it. Now, can you put in a seven-page confidentiality provision in a document? And those are the ones that are like throughout the universe. Correct. You know, or can you put a non-compete provision throughout the document? And by the way, sometimes we have a one-sentence confidentiality clause. We have a two-sentence non-compete clause. I'm a big believer in relationships okay. and that a sound relationship is really going to get worked out. It's going to work out the kinds of things that often are dictated through legal paper. You're and, a big believer in this as someone who practiced law. Well, I saw it, right? Okay. I, I, when I was in law school, there was actually something happening. And this is in the 90s. It was called the Plain English Movement. And the thinking was that the law shouldn't be confusing. Okay. That it shouldn't have words like heretofore and, and have all this fancy legal. It should be readable. Okay. And there were English professors being hired by the law school who were those looking. Are, those are the worst people to make something readable. But okay, <laughs> fine, fine. <laughs> right? And there were books that were written about how agreements should be straightforward and simple and digestible such that they are empowering. So that people without lawyers yes. would know what they were getting into. Yes. Here's a, a Why is legalese so complicated though? Legalese is so complicated because it creates power and value for the professional, for the lawyer. Okay. By doing that and by creating that complexity, right? Which requires the other party to then deal with that complexity, right? You are effectively marginalizing your client and sort of putting them in a fog and saying, we're going to worry about this stuff because we are the experts. Well, this it. is why you hire a lawyer because That's you why can't you hire a deal with the other side's contracts. That's right. Also, a lot of the complexity is essentially a series of instructions for when things go bad. 
Okay. So that's a contract. A contract is a series of instructions for when the relationship falls apart. Much of it is. Okay. Some of it is the, the, the obligations of both parties. You're gonna I'm going to pay you a dollar and you're going to give me a, a banana. Okay. So some of the contract is that. But oftentimes, a huge chunk of the contract is just all of the protections and the the positioning that both parties went back and forth on. Okay. And that goes back to sort of my belief, which is when things are not looking so great, pick up the phone. Just talk to each other and get past it. I, I had a friend who was going through an awful divorce and it was killing him. It was practically bankrupting him. And he went to his dentist okay. and was telling him about how this divorce was wrecking him and it was getting into arbitration and discovery and interviews and all this crazy. And it was killing, killing everyone, first sure. of all, just crushing everyone personally and psychologically, but also costing an enormous amount of money. Yeah. And his dentist paused and said to him, do you know what would get this done so that you're not thinking about this anymore? He's like, yeah, I do know because she's told me what she wants. And his dentist said, pick up the phone, call your wife, not your lawyer, and give it to her. And not because you're losing, but because you're going to die at some point and you're not young and it's time to get on with your life. And essentially what he did was he said, you know what? The money that you think you're fighting for here is actually, first of all, going to a third party, the lawyers. And secondly, your life it's just going to take two and a half years. It's not going to be wrapped up in a month and a half. It's going to go on and on and on. And he did it, and he really, really... He said it's the best advice his dentist ever gave him, other than floss. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Where the hell do I get a dentist like this? I know, right? Where do I get the dentist who's also a rabbi and a lawyer? My dentist said, enough with the coffee. Yeah, that's my... plaque. My dentist was like, your teeth are great, but your gums are garbage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what my dentist says. He doesn't say, look, let's, let's live life for the day get rid of this enormous financial he, burden and make peace with the things that distress you. He was seeing his patient every couple of months, literally falling apart in front of him. Oh, the teeth were like coming out. <laughs> it was he directly related to the out. divorce. This guy's but, just basically a walking skull. Yes. He's like, what's wrong? I see you in here all the time. Exactly. Your tongue is a stump. Exactly. And so I have to say, there are lawyers out there who pause and look at their clients and say, you know what? I could eke out another 75 grand out of this person, but... For Christ's sake, this is misery. Everyone's unhappy. Let me actually give good advice and give everyone some relief and, and get them to a happier place. Can I make an observation about the world that I've found myself in since we started this business? Absolutely. All right. So what I've noticed is that there really are basically two separate spheres of commerce in the world. And there is the sphere of commerce which is big legal agreements, everything takes forever, and everyone is constantly extracting value yeah. in some way. They're going like, I got to do the legal stuff. And it's a lot of the work that just isn't really work. Yeah. Like, I'm going to create a new analytics tool on top of the current analytics tool yeah. because that'll be more compliant with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, just stuff that doesn't closing have a on, Closing on a house. Yeah. Is it, there's there's fit, all these characters show up and you write up. 40 checks. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's like thing. Game of Thrones suddenly in your in, your, in the little room in the back of the exactly. legal office, and you know exactly. somebody's got a raven. Someone and I'd it, never seen before is like, I need a check for six hundred dollars. That's and you just write it, and you just well, you, the house is right there. It's like yeah. four feet away from you. You're gonna write a stupid. And your lawyer is like, check. a guy's gonna show up and ask for six hundred dollars. Just give it to him. That's Charlie. Yeah, and you're like fine. And fine. I've known, and, and Charlie grew up down the street from the lawyer. Exactly. He's, yeah. 
So that's one sphere. Yeah. And then there's the other one, which I like to at least flatter ourselves and, and think that we're in it. But it's the one where you go, look, I'm real busy. Uh, there's a lot going on right now. I'm going to get you this and I'm going to give it to you. But you got to just let me do it. Yeah. Right. And that we actually end up having that conversation. I guess actually part like the um, the initial sales meeting with yeah. Postlight, you might think we come in with like a PowerPoint deck. We usually come in a little bit tired. We're coming from something that is complicated and difficult to deal with. We sit down with you and people are like, I want to do this and this and this and this. And then I'll watch you go like, it's a lot of goals. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, here's something I think you could do for that budget by November or that time frame or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then understanding their constraints. There's a moment where if they are not in the work, if they actually are empowered to do the work themselves, like if their job is to like get this done, they go, okay, if their job is to kind of contribute back into that world of complete value, free insanity. Yeah. They're like, Oh, that's bad news. I'm going to have to go give that number to somebody. Yeah. And 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 they kind of, you just see them, they slump a little bit. Yeah. Whereas the other people are like, okay, well this, we just moved an inch and a half towards getting this done. Yes. What we see is the people we work with better are Mm -hmm. those that were like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to hire these guys. I don't even know if I like them. But they just moved me about you know a half a centimeter closer towards the actual thing I have to do. I gotta mm-hmm. ship my app. I gotta mm-hmm. make my boss happy. I gotta like get a hundred million new viewers or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It feels like the two-page contract is the signifier for us that says we're in that world. We're yes. in the world of like we're a little tired. We have a little too much going on. Uh, there was a great thing a friend of mine once says. An old statement. He's just like, if you want to get something done, look for the busiest person in the room. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Like the yeah. busiest person in the room is the person who also is like, here's a contract. Just can we just, let's go. You're touching on something here that I think is actually one of the things I'm most proud of about Postlight. And because we are professionals. Lawyers are professionals. Doctors are professionals. We are professionals. You could come into our offices with a whole idea and then we could confuse you. We could throw technologies at you. We could throw all sorts of acronyms at you so that you feel like you feel helpless and that you're going to rely on us to get you all the answers. And there's more money in that. Let's be clear. Like There is. There are businesses if that... If you do that right, we could grow a 500-person company that does absolutely. that. Absolutely. People would be glad to see us do that and yes. we could extract value that way. That's right. But I am a fan of and I believe in simplifying, being clear, empowering... When you do that, you, you ever, you know what a, a really great doctor does? They sit you down and they talk you through what's going on in a way that you understand. They use analogies. They don't just say, hey, don't worry about it. Here's a prescription. You should be better. I don't know. I need to see No, you, you want that weeks. doctor who's like, you know, you're, you ever seen a, a, like a hinged bus turn in a corner? That's your knee right now. <laughs> you know, you're like, exactly. But that dialogue that happens and that feeling of like, okay, I'm, I'm not in a fog here because I'm going to run home to Google anyway, right? right? So, by the way, worth noting, we compete against proposals that are five times the size of our proposals. Because we don't want to give you a pile of nonsense. We want to simplify this problem or this challenge that you have in front of you. And we want to be your partner in this, not your expert in this, such that you feel helpless and you don't know when the next change order is coming because, sorry, it was more complex. Don't worry your pretty little head. It's going to be another 50 We tell people a lot about things that we don't do, that we can't do, that we don't know about yet. Like Mm -hmm. someone asked us if we do all sorts of like 3D stuff. And, you know, the instinct as a person who's selling is always to go, we'll figure that out. Yeah. 
And we have people who might even know a little bit about it. But I just right. I can't in good faith go like, yeah, we're good at that. Yeah. Uh, we have people who ask us, who clearly are kind of angling to see if we'll get them like a nice 200-page document. Mm-hmm. And we're just, we're just never going to do it. And look, that's unusual. That is unusual. Like the big consulting firms, like the McKinsey's of the world and the like, they just pummel you with charts and graphs and, and statistics and, and studies and all this stuff. Uh, well, there's a cynical that- thing about consulting where the deal is like, what is the job of the consultant? The job of the consultant is to sell more consulting services. Right. Right. And that honestly, we should probably, we could probably do a better job of that, except that the market demand for technology services that actually ship is so high That's that thing. we don't have to go in and sell all the time. Well, it's also not who we want to be. I don't think uh, if the we're building was, a particular culture that wouldn't be happy with that. Anyway. If the market was down, we probably would have to do more. We'd have to be a little more conscious about like, oh, that one's going to end in about two weeks. We yeah. better get in there. Yeah, Better get some lunches going. For right now, we're just really letting the work speak for itself because right. things are moving yeah. so quickly. I mean, this turned into a long infomercial about Postlight. And how we will tell you that your project is impossible to do. Yeah. No, but no. I actually think that this speaks more broadly to professionals and how professionals deal with non-professionals. Well, and I think, look, the listener is hearing, could be hearing an infomercial, but what they're hearing is like a kind of a statement of ethics that we're trying to work from. Yeah. And right. Like this is, we're, we are trying to live this and every we're day. not alone. I'm sure, I have no doubt in my mind, there are good design studios, there are good... Yeah, I mean, there really are. I don't want to, yeah. you want to get, you want to avoid that. I just buy into that. I believe in that. Like, I've been in meetings where we're going to be paired up with other places and it's just... They'll go on for seven minutes, and I'll pause, and I'll say, I don't understand what you're talking about. Right. I have to say, it's it's an incredibly liberating feeling. A lot of people won't do that, because like, shit, I can't look like an idiot here. It's really hard to ask the dumb question, because... Of course. And I I spent years in those meetings, and I was afraid to ask the question. Absolutely. And now, now I'm just like... All right, look, I've come, I've hit a point now in my life where I'm like, I'm a pretty smart guy. Yeah. I won awards. Yeah. So the fact that I don't know what the hell's going on means that somebody could take a minute and just tell me. Yes. And then if somebody thinks I'm an idiot, that's okay. I get that all day. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I have a family. Some of the smartest people I've ever met will stare right into my eyes and say, I don't understand what that means. Yeah, that's, that is true. It, it's a, it's a strength. But that's another like little, way that the network of people who aren't doing nonsense identifies itself. Oh, totally. The person who after like the half hour meeting asks the really dumb question, Mm -hmm. there's a certain kind of dumb question where you go, all right, I need to talk to her. You used to share a deck with me. It was a website that had, a, I think, a deck or a slideshow that was just bananas. It was impenetrable. It was, was it the was it military slideshow graphics? No, it was it was some startup, not startup. It was a consultancy, but it was off the wall. Like I c- you couldn't piece it. It was circles inside of circles with arrows, and it was just all these weird words. I, I collect a few of those. I love it. I love. We should make sure we drop some of those links connected to this podcast. Here's my favorite thing in, in a pitch is when they show you any diagram that is circular with arrows like where the air, where And it goes point. endlessly. It goes endlessly because you're like yeah. that's how they're going to build me. Like yeah. they're going to build me <laughs> in this circle. We're going to go around a track and every time we get like right. a quarter way it's along so strange. Someone's going to ask for $35,000 right. and it's just and it will never end. It will never end. And people go in and they pitch that they basically pitch like we will continue to take yeah. money from you until you fire us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so NDAs. NDAs, contracts. Sign them. 
No, yeah, I mean, whatever. Look, there's a lot of people out there who are like, I will never sign an NDA. There is some of that. There's a lot of there's it's a lot weird. of like in the nerd community, they're like, oh, NDAs are nonsense. Forget about it. Yeah. And you're like, eh, forget it. I, I have to say, I've been around people who seize up when you put any sort of legal agreement in front of them. Sure. Uh, they view it as an adversarial thing. Okay. And they really, they go into another mode. They just go into a very like, okay, this is just a thousand knives coming at me. And it's, you know, I must defend myself. It just goes bad. And I think... That dialogue, and they call it redlining, right? When lawyers go into, there's that mode. It's the name of this podcast. Track changes. Track changes. They go in and they start to, yeah, they change yeah. those red lines and appear throughout the document. it's back green from this guy and blue from this woman and red from me. And it's just, it looks like this document just got just graffitied right. all over it, right? And what it is is just everybody making sure that they're not getting screwed, right? That dance that occurs it's fundamentally cynical it's through a document it's very odd right it's not us over coffee it's through a document well i think it sort of externalizes like you and me over coffee that's that's sort of tribal like i'm literally looking at you as another entity you're another yeah. primate and i'm looking at you and i'm just kind of like hey you and me are um are, we're gonna figure this out together like yeah. it's it's real old school and yeah. And I think people feel that if they externalize all of that into a document, and yeah. I feel this as a writer, people feel that there's like a something kind of sacred about the text. Yeah, I mean, I got that clause in. And that's just people. <laughs> the text is just like crappy people doing their crappy stuff. There's yeah. nothing magical about it. I've been it. in business for 20 some odd years, mostly my own businesses, and I've never been in front of a judge talking through a clause. It's yeah. just never happened. It's never happened. It's just well, and if somebody wants to sue you, they're going to sue you. That's the thing, right? You yeah. don't need grounds to sue, right? You right. could just sue. And right? so there's there's this whole thing, like I mean, it's, it's I mean, obviously contracts help, but it doesn't feel that having that sixty page contract and then the lawsuit lands, Correct. it really is going to save your life. Yeah, and look, it's worth noting when the transaction, what's at stake is a million dollar house. You need some things to make sure certain stuff's buttoned up. You want your protections. That's reasonable. So well, there's also a little bit of boilerplate there that's actually yeah. Good. Like it's just like it this is of, some of it's actually legal. This like is how the legal requirements. Works. Yeah, yeah. statutory requirements. Our real estate lawyer, I got like a thirty-page contract, and I would say he read and skimmed and recognized patterns in it in yeah. like a three-minute period. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. spotted these tricky little changes that people had made. Interesting. Yeah. Because he was able to just like, he had that, that boilerplate is encoded in his brain. Exactly. Exactly. And so I get that. I get that you need those protections because I need to know I'm actually owning my house. Like I do. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) No, we had our, the owner of the building tried to, uh, we we bought a garage space in the basement of our our condominium. And he was like, look, let's just do this a handshake deal. And yeah. we're, we're going to write a It was pretty much like all the money that yeah. I had was yeah. going to go towards a, a chunk of concrete in the basement. <laughs> right. And I was like, it was great that I had the money. I felt really good about that part. But yeah. then it was just like, uh, no, we need to actually own the deed to the <laughs> to thing. This he, he piece was, of earth. He was just didn't want to deal with all that paperwork. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. So. No, that's not going to fly. Right. But I'm a big believer in working through things in a relationship context like i i believe that i mean look sometimes there's a lot at stake and you do need your protections i'm not i don't want this to be read as advice like eh, just high five people and just go through life no i mean you and i set up quite a bit of paperwork when we when we created this business yeah there's a long contract about 
Yeah. Uh, you know, how we how decisions share, are made. How we share ownership. There's a few things where like sure. tie breaking, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's necessary. I mean, it's good to have those things, yeah. right? But in my experience, hopefully you never go back to it. If you handle your relationships right, you're never saying, you know what? Let me go dig up that clause you know and what? see what's up. People are very... Who the hell wants to do that? I don't even know where that file is. People are very mysterious about, about lawyers, right? Like it's one of the good things about having somebody who practices a lawyer as my co-founder in this company is that... Things that I would normally be really scared and worried about, I'm just not worried. And it's not because I see you over there applying your legal mind. You're just literally like, yeah, if they're going to sue us, they're going to sue us. We're going to make this contract really short and readable, and then we're just going to go. Yeah. What it is is not you going like, we're going to get this all buttoned up and have it completely in control in every way. It's you going, let's not pretend we have control over the entirety of the world. Exactly. Let's just like make sure that we have set up the foundation for a good and effective relationship that people can end or walk away from with clarity. Exactly. Ultimately, what that relationship is going to get built upon is how it went between the two of us. Like, they're not going to be angry about a clause. They're going to be angry about us not shipping or not doing good work. We didn't send (laughs) any. If we don't send the engineers that we say we're going to send, (laughs) we've got a problem. Then we're in breach of that agreement. Yeah. So. Here's the thing. This is my issue with NDAs is that they're meaningless because they don't actually ask you about it. They're just like, keep all the secrets. Yeah. They just say like, we're sweeping. Gonna, yeah. We're going to give you all the secrets. Everything I'm going to say. And it's like, well, when you tell me that you have a coffee machine down the hall, is that also under the NDA? Right. And you have no idea. You have no idea. And a lot of times they're insane too, because people are talking to me and they like, they kind of want me to go and talk about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a media person and they yeah, want that, me to. That's and, weird. Right? And then they're also like asking me to please sign the NDA. And I'm just <laughs> right. like, well, which is it? Yeah. Right. Like I'm not even in a journalist mode. Like they're yeah. just, they're just very confused. I mean, what I want, what I'd be happy to sign is this organization is in possession of some really interesting intellectual property, including these three things. Yeah. By signing this, I hereby say that I will never discuss these without prior written or emailed confirmation from blah, blah, blah. Yep. And I would sign that in a minute because I'd be like, all right, cool. I understand why you want to lock this down. But the NDAs are just like, it's just another kind of nonsense document in that world of nonsense, not real stuff right. that people are doing to ensure that everything's okay for that moment when somebody comes in and is like, hey, did you button everything up? Yeah. Did you do all the fake nonsense work that <laughs> right. we need to do so that you can get bought by, you know, verbal floft? Right. And I just like, why live your life for that moment? Yeah. And again, it takes a second. So yeah. I don't have the energy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll admit. No, I'm not going to fight the NDA <laughs> system. Right. Yeah. Especially now that DocuSign's in place. So I no, can just I, hit a button it's in also, the I mean, email. And it's then also for us, too. Like, it comes in at the moment, and, and people are like, okay, I need to tell you about this thing we're going to do. We want to give you some money to build something, but yeah. I need you to sign the NDA. Like, what are we going to do at that moment? We're yeah, going to be like, hey, I, don't, I really can't communicate with you about yeah. the work you're I need doing. a week so I can review this NDA, yeah, and then like, we'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like tweeting now to sign an NDA. It's well, signing agreements is like yeah, tweeting now, great. pretty much. Buy a house. I get the sense that we could talk about NDAs for another five thousand hours. We could. I, I think we should. We should read them while Pink Floyd's "Echoes" plays in the background. That sounds. We should great. read an NDA, and that would be art. That would be amazing. It That's would. like well, you know, because there people take um, terms of service now, and then they illustrate them as comic books. You know, I once at a talent contest read the Google terms of service. As if I was the lead singer of Guar. Uh, what did that sound like? It was just like like that, but I was reading terms of service. A grief do not I, compete. Like yeah, that, yeah. I, I lost the the talent. I contest. can't imagine why you wouldn't win. Did someone like <laughs> sing more than words? Or like what happened? Yeah. 
Um, All right. So we get email. We do. We get it. We've been getting great emails lately. They're like op-ed pieces. They're really impressive. Full grammar and capitalization and everything. So in a previous episode of Track Changes, we talked about universal basic income. Yes. The idea that... That's UBI. UBI. If people receive... Not IBS. No, that's really different. Very different. Not connected at all. If people received a certain amount of money every month to live their lives... Uh, yes. that that would that would be a protection in society against all the change that's coming from technology where people just keep losing their jobs over and over again as more and more robots take over. Yes. So poor Kalpin sent us a note. I'm going to read it. With a system like this, meaning universal basic income, or with welfare, there's of course the potential for proportion of people who, for lack of a better phrase, do nothing with it. But I've never accepted the assertion that this is or would ever be a significant proportion. It might be naive, but I have that faith. A lot of my thinking about universal income is based on my recollections of Bertrand Russell's essay in Praise of Idleness, which is a misleading title. He has this notion that with increased automation, we could reach a period where the amount of obligatory work required from each of us would amount to a single-digit number of hours per week, and that culturally, scientifically, etc., we'd benefit immensely from the ability to pursue our interests free from the obligation of paid work. This is verging on the utopian, but I think a universal basic income offers a more plausible vision of this by removing the specter of abject poverty. So that's an that's an excerpt from uh, an excellent email from Poor Kalpin. Uh, he's making a good point. You know, I mean, it does. It takes away that that sense of like I'm over the abyss. Yeah, I, I think the the premise of this is flawed. I think that's the challenge here. Is I think when with innovation and as we've advanced and as we've become more sophisticated in so many ways through venture you know expeditions that people go on and business ideas and invention and you know all that i think that baseline is is changing i mean there was a day when abject poverty mean you will meant you will never eat meat in your life sure right? but today the great majority of people in this country in the united states not in the world but in, in the united, united states, states correct can eat meat can go to the movies what poverty is today is quite, quite different well, than tricky, what it was right? in the Because past. technology moves the line. Because no, but get... well, let me finish the thought. All right. What I would argue is that that baseline has risen because of those free markets. Well, and, and it's uh, not sure. because of, uh, and that's the trap here, is that universal income. That I think what you have to be careful with is it's it's almost like a sedative. To continue to raise that line, universal income is going to sort of temper it. And yeah, what he's essentially saying is I can pursue painting and pursue my interests and whatnot. And I think, I mean, I think human motivation is really about making a big impact. There's a small population that wants to drop a bomb on the world. That's their hope well, that they're going to make that comment kind of impact. Actually, wants to drop a bomb. Well, there is that as yeah, well. There is tricky. that as well. So I think it's a more optimistic view, and I think he's right. I think for some people, if you gave him basic income, they're going to do some productive things. They'll they'll you know write songs and teach children and, and do do some other stuff. But I think what we have to be careful with is that that hill that you have to try to climb and that hunger, I think is a good thing. I think it, it leads to something that raises the level for everybody. It does, but you know, you and I, are, we're people who are able to get over that hill. We were. We were both broke at different times in our life. Yeah. We, both had, we were able to get over that hill. A lot of people just can't get over Like, 
It's great that we I, can get over, but if your foot hurts and I, you can't get I to the clarify. top of the hill. I want to clarify. If you have, I think based on either your age or a condition or circumstances that justify, you should be supported, just to be That's clear. It. I hate the way that the country lets people just hover over the abyss. You know, they can't get basic health care or they just they sit in their, their apartments and they kind of can't go out and have a cup of coffee. Yeah. This system could support a little bit of more happiness. If you bring up Denmark. I'm not bringing up Denmark, but I'm just like, you know, we have, America has created the world's greatest novelty factory. Is, is, I mean, what is the state of happy in this country? Pretty bad. Is that true? I I think it's really tricky, too, because I think that. I don't know what. The way that the, the way that just straight up entrepreneurial and capitalist culture works is like you really start to feel like garbage if you're poor all the time and poor because that line does move in a weird way Mm -hmm. like it's very hard for people who aren't doing well because they don't see a long-term security unless they're doing incredibly well Mm -hmm. this is a deep pool paul this is a deep pool i think that it's just really tricky i i do like the idea of there being some sense of security from the abyss that you could still get a cup of coffee and read a book and, and yeah. go for a walk, even yeah. if you're having a, a, a bad couple of years. A lot of people in the country are living on like 20 grand. Yeah. And so like a little something that something would help them from the government, something structured, something that is connected to a little bit of happiness and opportunity and good health. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think it's a complicated situation, but I don't disagree. So that was a great email. Thank you, Pork. And we'll keep... Uh, we have, cool name. It is a cool name. We are going to read more emails, but we're out of time. So we'll, we'll start working those into future episodes. Thank you, listener, for being here. How in- can you not give five stars to an, a podcast that focuses on NDAs? Search NDAs in iTunes. Will you find another podcast? This is probably, yeah, actually, probably. It's horrible out there. Is it horrible yeah, out there? Yeah, it's not great. Okay. There's so many podcasts Fine. now. Ours right. is but one. Well, but it's a one, It's a very well-intentioned one, and we're glad to, glad that you are here. Comes from a good place. Yeah, so hey, five stars is a good number of stars, in my opinion. Yep. Uh, I'm Paul Ford. Rich Ziotti. You've been listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a product design studio in New York City that builds really beautiful technology things of all kinds. If you want to get in touch with us, Contact at postlight.com. Contact at postlight.com. Let your fingers just dance over the keyboard and send us an email. Uh, we love, love, actually really do love hearing from it's, listeners. I, it's love. Yeah, it is great. It's yeah. fun. So get in touch. We want to talk to you and find out what's going on in the world. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. <laughs>